Live from Salt Lake City, this is Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host, and it is part three with John DeLynn. I really look forward to it. It's my favorite part. I really enjoyed this part. And just to let you know, next week we're going to get together here early on Tuesday, and John is going to use our uh, stage to interview me for Mormon Stories. And we'll take two or three hours, I guess, and uh, we're going to catch up of what's happened with uh, Heart of the Matter and the ministry and where we've gone and uh, all that stuff. And I'm sure John's going to throw some questions at me because he's heard a lot of people talk about a lot of things. So look forward to that because we're going to try to get that uh, ready for you to see that night, at least the first part, and then we'll keep doing it. After that, just to let you know, Eric from... Uh, Jesus and the Near-Death Experience. That's on Facebook, Jesus and the Near-Death Experience. It's a closed page, closed book, closed group. And, uh, and, but you have to go in and try to be part of it, and Eric will check you out. But he deals with near-death experience, uh, and he talks with people all the time and has studied it. He's going to be our guest on the 29th of May, a Tuesday night, Mark your calendars because it's going to be a great time. We're going to spend a couple hours and, and talk to Eric about near-death experiences. And you can call and throw your hardball questions at him. I'm a skeptic on things. And listening to him, he's very convincing about how they have vetted uh, the phonies and the charlatans and that. And they have really looked into people who have died, dead, gone, and have experienced things who come back and say, you know, this is what they have to share. And what they share is pretty remarkable. And I have to say, it's pretty online with the approach that we've been taking lately of, uh, of the faith. So uh, Eric, near-death experiences, May 29th. And then all the way out in July, another two months away, July 3rd to be exact, every morning, well, not every morning, three to four mornings a week, uh, somewhere between 5 a.m. and uh, 7.30 a.m., I sit down with a Catholic priest. He's the father of the Cathedral of the Madeline. His name is Christopher Gray. Uh, I've met uh, quite a few people in my life. He is the single most well-read individual I've ever met in my life. He understands the nuances of Catholicism. He spent seven years in the Vatican. He speaks Latin. He is devout to the Catholic Church, and he has cleared up so many things. Now, I don't necessarily agree with Christopher on some of the things, but I cannot question his devotion, and I can't question his uh, love for the Lord, and I can't question his um, view of what Christianity looks like when the rubber meets the road. So that's going to be on July 3rd. Catholic priest Christopher Gray right here in studio with us again for uh, a, a couple hours, I think, at least because he is so informative. We hope you'll call in. I've been pretty hard on Catholics in my life, uh, my Christian life, and I have really uh, maligned them generally with just being horrible. And I repent for that because uh, he's not a horrible man and he lives his faith, which so many people can't say. Anyway, tonight, the final part of my interview with John DeLynn. All right. Part three, the part I've been, I, I've been excited about all of it, but uh, really have enjoyed this. Um, there's been like a 10 year or more span, well, about between John and I sitting down and talking. 
And uh, so I've, of course, he's been in the news and things, and I've watched things that have come up and seen how he's grown and changed. And uh, so it was really good to hear his backstory. And I was just telling him how much I think of his integrity, that, that uh, he, he has that warp and weft. Integrity, by the way, did you know, is a clothing and textiles term. And, and you would throw out the fabric and little Indians would go and look and they'd say it has integrity if the warp and weft were together. And then, and then with their slub yarns and stuff, they would say, no, 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 you got to get rid of this. It's no good. And I see this man as having integrity. I'm sure there's issues in John's life like there is in every human, but his story so far, it really, I mean, even his pushing to stay Mormon and just up to the very end, his daughters are in leadership and he's still wanting to do it that way. I think it's been really good, really smart. A number of months ago, we did a show and I said boldly, uh, I don't get any respect in this state, especially anymore, but I said boldly that there are three religious leaders in this state, true religious leaders. And, uh, and I said, uh, Denver Snuffer was one. I don't agree with Denver Snuffer, and I think he's just another form of Joseph Smith's type of thing. And I said, John DeLynn is one. <laughs> you are a religious leader. Your religion is of a different ilk, but it is a religion in a sense. And I said, I am too. My form is the, at least I have a map that we use. We don't call it a manual, a map, uh, which is the Bible. And we say it's up to the person to read that, hear it preach, and decide what it means to them. We don't say you must believe this. Uh, in order to be in fellowship, you have to believe how we're teaching it. You're fine. We don't care. You can come as an atheist. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, you have that right. So in our, our, we believe that's religious leadership in respect to the rest of the evangelical churches that play the church game. They say, this is what this is, and this is what you must do to belong here. So that's why we think that we're somewhat of a religious leader, though much smaller than you. I wanna, I wanna talk to you, this might be a little more dicey, but with all respect, someone sent to me a YouTube, or not a YouTube, a Facebook thing that you said, as for me and my house, we will serve tacos. <laughs> now, I was in Pennsylvania on the mission, and those, those Amish farmers would take great Pennsylvania Dutch on the side of their barns, that, that, that passage from um, Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? And of course, there's a play on words. What do you, what does John DeLynn mean? when you put that up there under your name and the people who see you as a, as a religious leader. You're not going to believe me, but I will tell you the 100% truth. Yeah. What that means is I love, love tacos. tacos. <laughs> I, I, tacos are my favorite food. Mine too. Tacos are my favorite yeah. food. I love, you know, Taqueria 27 or uh -huh. whatever. I love Del Taco. Uh -huh. I went there yesterday. I love tacos. So it really was. Fish tacos. Yeah. It is that I love tacos. It, in that case, I'm, I'm actually, I, how could I not have only fond feelings for religion yeah. given how much I, number one, loved my upbringing yeah. and then spent so many years trying to reform a church that I love so much. Yeah. So you don't, you know, I'm concerned about cults. Yeah. I'm concerned about David Koresh and Jim Jones and... Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about people who hurt other people, Okay, but I'm not concerned about people who are people of faith who are trying to do good in the world. Yeah. 
So I don't have, and that's why I've been willing to have Denver Snuffer people come on Mormon Stories or South Mountain Church mm-hmm. or to bring you on mm-hmm. or others <clears throat> because I'm not hostile to religion or faith. Um, I just, uh, I'm hostile to abuse and to manipulation and to cult-like tactics. Okay. So I'm, I'm anti-cult, but I'm not anti-religion. Okay. And just for our argument's sake, not argument, but our discussion's sake, we believe religion is, is almost a seven-letter bad word. We just do not appreciate what religion does to people. Even the most seemingly benign religions, when they say, I'm the pastor, this is my interpretation of this, you must agree with this with me. If you don't, you aren't part of us. That's tough for me. So we distinguish, just for us to understand, the difference between a relationship, we see the billboards, and a religion. So I want to do a word association with you and, 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 and just hear from your heart what John DeLynn thinks when he hears God. The word that came to my mind was unknowable. Okay, I would agree. Okay, uh, and just you, the word that comes to your mind is unknowable. Would you, but not uh, in not extinct or not a reality? Un- unknowable. Like I, I want there to be a a meaning and purpose to the world and to our existence. Mm-hmm. I want there to be this divine power. I want there to be a loving father and even mother in heaven i want there to be an afterlife i want there to be eternal life who doesn't want that i think it's a great i think it's a great story Do um, you see evidence of it well i i think i can see how well i believe that existence is miraculous okay the fact that that we exist that language exists yeah. that our brains exist, our eyes exist, complex civilizations. It's a freaking mind-blowing miracle. Every day, I can't believe there are advanced animals and humans on this earth doing, flying around with wireless internet and flying jumbo planes across continents. Like, how is, how is this not amazing? Like, I don't look at this life as bad or like the earth is coming to an end. I look at like, our human existence in 2018 as miraculous. Okay. So, but I don't know what's behind it. Mm. I think, you know, that there was a little comic strip that I put up the other day. It, it was, was like, sent to me. yeah, it was like man worships stone, then man worships animal, then man worships, you know, plethora of gods, and then man simplifies to one god, and then man worships someone who comes saying they're the son of God, yeah. and then. You know, and there's a hole. Yeah, 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 right. And and like, we're religion is believing now what it's believing now. But if you go back a thousand years, it was believing something different. And and so that's why I just say unknowable. Is I sometimes, well, I I believe that there's something amazing going on. And so even in my darkest times as a doubter, I'm like I can call that God. Whatever it is making all this wonderful stuff happen, I'm okay calling that God. But is it a bearded dude? Is it a Mormon thing? Is it a force? Is it just energy? Is it just existence? Is evolution a part of that? Like, 
All like, unknowable. Yeah, unknowable. So I don't know. Like, okay. I don't know. And, and it's very, I'm, I'm aware enough to know that it's very convenient to, like, fill in those gaps with sure. really good stories. Sure. Like, I get to resurrect with the perfect body and be with my family again yeah. and be happy and live forever. And mm -hmm. those are great stories. And then Mormonism take, you could even become a god someday. Yeah, and, right. like, yeah, we can fill in those gaps mm -hmm. with really... And there's a lot of incentive. Well, we can be sad and depressed and miserable and lonely and feel like everything's meaningless. Or we can believe that there's a God who loves us with a loving son who came to die for us and we get to go to heaven and be happy. Well, that sounds a lot better. Yeah. And I'm just aware enough to know that, you know, we've had myths all along and that's the myth now. Okay. And maybe that's real, but maybe we created it. Okay. And ultimately... I was manipulated in an organization that used my emotions to get me to believe a narrative. Yeah. And so does that narrative give me good feelings? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then that's the same feelings that made those dudes fly that plane into sure. the Twin Towers and that made those people drink Jim Jones's little Kool-Aid yeah. on Guyana. Like yeah. they really believed in that narrative sure. that they were believing in. So I guess I've been tainted enough or jaded enough or misled enough or deceived enough to where I'm just like I'm never gonna let anyone tell me kind of like how it is on the afterlife like and I've said this before if God like if God wants to talk I'm here and I've prayed and I've asked and I've really been committed to this stuff and I'm I'm no longer gonna accept a model where he talks to some other dude good but he won't talk to me good so in some sense, I feel like either I'm following God's will by following my conscience mm -hmm. and my character, my integrity, mm -hmm. or I'm just living the best life that I can. Mm -hmm. And I'll, when I die, I'll find out. Either way. Or, right. But hopefully, I still feel like I'm moral. I still feel like I'm living integrity. I still feel like I'm serving my fellow man. Sure. So like God will be a bonus if, if, if that's what it is when I die. Not to make this a protracted <clears throat> thing, but... Uh, the manual I read daily and study, it tells us that God reveals himself, doesn't have to be through missionaries or the Bible or uh, even his spirit. He'll reveal himself through the cosmos, that the aborigine can look up and say, there's something bigger than me. Boom, it's fine. It's good enough. That's what their witness is. In John DeLynn's life, do the cosmos say, there's something bigger than me? I don't know what it is. It's unknowing. He, she, it, but there's something bigger than me? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That absolutely tells me a lot about you. Well, but but I what I don't like is divisive language. So, like I don't I'm I'm torn. I don't like if I do God talk or Jesus talk, then there's a bunch of people that get alienated by that. To. But if I do atheist or agnostic talk, then there's a bunch of people. Sure. I don't think it matters. Right. Does it matter if you call the energy or the cosmos God? No. And I'm like, I don't know what to call it, but I sure love this thing and want to do good in it. And no. does it matter? No. If does oh. it matter if you say believer, I say agnostic? No. Does it matter? No. It doesn't matter. But what does matter is when you put something that says to a people who read a passage that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When a man who and I'm just talking from the people who talk to me about you says as for me and my house, we will serve tacos. And, and I now I know the background story. And I could write the same thing. I, I love tacos. I really do, too. I'm not lying. I and love my, tacos. Right. So we agree on that. But <laughs> coming from you, yeah. people would say, 
He's just an atheist. No, I've never, I've literally never referred to myself as an atheist or an agnostic, mm. ever. You did get to the brink of an agnosticism and an atheism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you've never referred to yourself. I don't like that. the terms because they're, they're divisive. They're unnecessarily divisive, and they don't, they don't. I mean, agno ever. I believe everyone's agnostic. I think even religion would say people walk by faith. Yeah. So faith means you don't know. Absolutely. So we're all agnostic. And so what does that term even mean? An atheist is like a negative identity denying something that you don't, you can't ever prove a negative. Right. So why, and why would I want to define myself with a negative identity? Right. I'm someone who doesn't believe something. Right. That's dumb. Yeah, it's it like, dumb. what are you for? What do you yeah. believe? Yeah. Well, I'm for love. I'm for truth. I'm for service. I'm for kindness. I'm for... Yeah, but I'm not anti-anything. So anyway, I didn't. I did not think anything sacrilegious when I put that right. banner on Facebook, because yeah. I, I respect people of faith. Yeah, uh, and like it's said by some, when someone says, "Not you," but when someone says, "I'm an atheist," what they might be saying is, "I don't agree with the God that you're describing to me." So it may not have anything to do with them saying there is no. It might just be. With everything you presented me, I am out of this, and I can respect it. I oh, really can. And you know what? There are so many post Mormons that that leave religion and are disenchanted, but then they they feel like they need something more. Yeah. And that's I've been trying to show that leaving Mormonism isn't necessarily the end of one's journey, mm. or even spiritual journey. And there are there are you know you you find post Mormons who believe in you know, foot zoning and, and seances and, yeah. and all sorts of stuff where you're like, whoa, I thought you were a skeptic. I thought mm -hmm. you were science-based. And people need, we have in us a need for something bigger and yeah. something more. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I love people being on a quest mm. to find something more. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, just when you said in our earlier interview together, you said how it was so daunting. You felt like the Superman figure going up with the weight of the world, with the emails you were getting. Uh, I just have to just sh uh, share a, a similar story. On our uh, uh, heart of the matter, we, of course, are trying to preach the real Jesus, not religion, to people, the Mormons specifically, who have scorched earth, who have been burned. And we want to let them know it doesn't have to be that way. But I went to an event of yours, and I had a number of people who came up. Sean, 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 how you doing? I said, good, how you doing? They said, great. I, they said, I loved your show. Your show helped so much. Great, what's up? I'm an atheist now. <laughs> so I, was, I bear that thing too. I mean, it is really tough. You don't know what to do. You feel like you're ruining people's lives. You're uprooting their marriages. You get the emails. It is really tough. Yeah. So I understand what you were saying. I, couldn't, I didn't want to say it while you were talking about it. Uh, saved. The word saved. Thoughts? Oh, um, wow. You know, I never understood that term growing up. In, in, in Baptist Katy, Texas, mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. So I can just like have this experience, say I'm saved, and then screw anyone and mm -hmm. drink and do drugs and whatever, and it doesn't matter because... Like that just never made sense for me. Now, of course, I was raised in a church where works was also very much emphasized. Sure. Um, I so saved is the word, right? Yeah, saved. I, I, the 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 way that I would like embrace that term is that all are lo unconditionally loved. That yeah. we are 
irredeemably loved in the in in the universe, you know? Here and there. Yeah, just just weird. on earth and afterlife, unconditionally loved. Just worthy all. Yeah, everyone's worthy. Okay, so I just want I just want to get that because I agree with you. You might not know that, but I agree. I think when Jesus, you might agree with that, but I agree when he saved the world, he saved the world, not just those who believed on him. He reconciled the world to God. I, so that's my religious thing. But um, would you agree that uh, a lying false prophet in the Mormon church, Joseph Smith, is loved and, 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 and unconditionally brought back? To God after this life, if there is an afterlife. I mean, okay, if there's an afterlife, I, I can't believe in a sad heaven, and okay. I can't believe in a burning hell. Yeah, or in a God that, um, that doesn't want everyone. You know, there. I, I would ask these questions as a Mormon back when I really was caring about doctrine. Like, eternally, I'm going to be in the celestial kingdom. Yeah. Like forever and ever <laughs> and ever in outer darkness yeah. and god's okay with this yeah. and then you would get well maybe there's progression between kingdoms yeah. and i'm like okay well if that's true then what does the judgment mean yeah. and what's the why have three levels of heaven yeah. if there's okay i'll wait a millennia or 12 and then okay i'm moving levels like yeah. so so yeah for me the only type of God I'm willing to believe in is that an unconditionally loving, kind God who wants everybody back at the table. Not only wants, but <clears throat> will have them back at the table? Yeah. yeah. And will never stop having his children, uh, you know, do everything they could On to the return to page. Him, right? Absolutely. Not, otherwise, he's a failure. Otherwise, Jesus and a, and a, and a jerk. Can and I say, a jerk, sure. Can I say asshole? On, sure, and, you can say anything you want. If you heard some of the shows, you sure can. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I, if there's a God, he's he and she. It is unconditionally loving. Okay, and never gives up. Never gives up. Yeah. Uh, a follow through to that. Would you? Uh, you don't care about afterlife. Do you not believe in it? You're not no. Oh, I want. I want there you to want. be an afterlife. You do want one. Yeah, I love life. Yeah. So why I don't want it to end. Well, these things are important to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've said them in along the way, but people can't watch 900. So yeah, yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So no, you I, want, I, I want there to be an afterlife for sure. I don't want this life to end. Okay. Uh, anyone. So I'm just going back to it. Idi Amin, Pol Pot. Nobody is going to. We're going to. Pol Pot's going to be as good as John. I mean, brother Pol Pot and Idi Amin and Hitler and everybody else. Hey, God is love. So what about justice then? What are your ideas on justice? Do you have any? When, when, when human beings decide to tap into that dark spot that was in your heart, and instead of just pursuing it through Mormon stories, go down and shoot up a, a stake center. I mean, do you see any reason for justice? So, one of the real benefits of my faith crisis, you know, prior to like 2011, mm -hmm. I don't think of myself as ever having made a big mistake. Like I was Nephi, in my mind, I was yeah. Nephi for 31, you know, 38, 39, 40 years. Mm -hmm. Then when everything fell apart, I, I made a big mistake and really hurt, you know, my wife and kids. And it was awful and uh, it's the one big regret of my life. And, um, 
it was really important for my growth as a person because I did something that I never thought I could ever possibly do. Wow. That, you know, because, you know, my parents have been divorced and, and so like when you do something that you would have loathed just a year prior, yeah. I'll never do that. People like that are bad. And then you do it. It really changes you and you just realize, wow, like it gives you humility. You know, that, that, that pride that you referred to in the early parts of my interview, yeah. that jerky exceptionalism, having the benefit of making a huge mistake humbles you and makes you see everyone differently. And you think, well, if I can make a huge mistake when I knew better and I'm a good person, then what is it that we don't get about other people's behavior? Like, and you know, all the cliches about don't judge someone till you walk in their moccasins or, you know, uh, everyone's fighting a, a battle. You just don't know what it is. You know, there are all these quotes. And so if you take that, that we're all capable of, of doing, making mistakes, and then you add to it, the um you know the the study the milgram study on mm. obedience to authority sure. do you know about that study that's sure. yeah, amazing where they you know where they get people to believe that they're electrocuting yeah. people across the wall yeah. Yeah. and they're screaming, screaming and writhing in pain on the other side of the wall and it's like oh what should i do <clears throat> oh i oh the, the the experiment must continue <clears throat> ah yeah. what i need to continue <clears throat> ah and you realize oh my gosh people will do terrible things under the spell of authority. It's almost like this ape brain mm. that lives in these little clans of apes with the alpha male mm. persists into human existence. And we, we can do, we are capable of doing horrible things purely if we're in a system that's ruled by authority. Mm. And it's not, if you study the Milgram experiment and, and Nazi Germany, it wasn't like every SS agent or whatever was an evil person. These were Christian people who cared about their family and loved their kids. They just had a leader that was despotic, you know? Yeah, I do know. <clears throat> and, then, and then you add the reality of mental illness. Yeah. Like there are people who don't have a conscience yeah. that you and I feel guilt or sorrow or sadness. And that, you know, just like some people can't see, yeah. some people can't hear, some people don't feel remorse. Right. And w we would like to think that we know what it's like yeah. to never feel remorse, mm -hmm. but we don't because we we feel it all feel the time. It, yeah. We feel it deep. So what would it be like to have that part of your brain broken? Mm -hmm. Could a human do horrific things sure. if their brain, someone's diabetic, someone's got heart disease, somebody you know has cancer, mm -hmm. somebody has no conscience. And, and I'm not justifying behavior, sure. but I'm just saying, once you, once you can look at humans from a 360 dimensional perspective, it kind of explains almost everything, really. And then you just realize that everybody gets their genetics, they, gets their, their, they get their upbringing, you know, they get the context in which they were raised, mm -hmm. the, the situations they've been dealt with, and then they get their current situation. And pretty much all of us, if I were you, I would pretty much act like you. Yeah. And if you were me, you'd act like me. And yeah. if we had been raised with Hitler's DNA and Hitler's upbringing and Hitler's social conditioning and the period of Nazi Germany and whatever his conscience lacked, are we really, can we really say we would act differently? It's a phenomenal response.
it's a phenomenal because it sounds like through your experience uh, with your uh, your being humbled by life that you become more merciful. That you you sound like you carry with you a great deal of mercy, which is something the God I believe in loves, loves mercy. In fact, James says mercy triumphs over justice. Uh, remember as a Mormon, they said, no, they can't rob each other. Mm -hmm. they, yeah, no, it robs mercy. It has robs. to. It yeah. has to. It has Phenomenal. To. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm more of a mercy guy for yeah. sure. I, I believe it. I don't believe in, I don't know how you'll like this. Maybe you said this. I don't know. I don't like the word sin. That was the next on the list. I like learning. It's not, it's not sinning. It's learning. Okay. That's for me. That's a much more positive framing. Okay. Now, yes, yes, you can do bad things. You can violate, in your words, yeah. God's law. You yeah. can break God's law and yeah. do bad things and hurt people. Yeah. But for me, I'm a sinner. Um, for some, that might be useful. For me, that that that's uh, discouraging. It's demotivating. For me, what I want to do is say, okay, I screwed up. I'm not going to beat myself up about it too long. I will for a bit, sure. but then I'm going to dust myself up, stand up, learn from my mistakes, and then do better. Why do you beat yourself up for a bit? You know, you just have this idea that if you suffer a little bit, you'll you'll learn the so lesson. So self-atoning? You, you kind of learn the lesson a little okay. bit. I learn it better. Okay. I think so. If you, yeah, and and usually life gives you the consequence. You don't need to punish yourself. So this is this, and I'm I'm with you. I'm really with you, John. And and I say that with all my honesty. Uh, having said these things, how practical is it in your life? For instance, when you drive out right now and someone cuts you off. You get and they break on you and flip you off, and then they come and cuss your wife out. Are you able to still maintain that view? Have, have you got to that place where you're able to say, "Look, the guy's defective. He's had a bad childhood. He's choosing badly today. He'll feel remorse later, and this will be a learning experience for him." I, you know, um, I went through that period in 2011-12 where I was questioning everything, and I was in a really dark place. And then I made a huge mistake. And it was in that moment where I realized that I didn't have to throw away all the good that I had been taught, mm. that there was a lot of really good things that I had learned mm. as a Christian, as a Mormon. Sure. And the difference was I let it all fall to the ground. And then I picked up everything that I wanted to keep. Mm. And by having that ability to let it all go and then pick it up myself, mm -hmm. It was mine for the first time. Mm. And ironically, I'll, I'll tell you something really ironic. You know how the Bible talks about a lustful heart or whatever, sure. right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I was always girl crazy. And I you know, never had premarital sex. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, I bathed the law of chastity with like one super teeny minor slip up, mm -hmm. you know, bathed the law of chastity. But I always was like, you know, like, oh. I was always noticing cute women. I was always like, what would it be like to be with her? Mm. You know, oh my gosh, well, you know, I'm married, but like, let me develop these other relationships so that like, if anything ever happened, mm. you know, and, and I was always kind of pushing that envelope of like getting to know someone and not crossing, you know, inappropriate sexual boundaries, mm. but like getting emotionally, you know, as close to someone as I could, because I was always like, I was always like longing for more, mm. right? Sure. Uh, female intimacy sure. and um, and yeah what was super weird was 
once I, you know, um, once it all fell to the ground and I realized how much is at stake, what happens when you, when you hurt the person you love most, what that does to your kids when they look at you and they, they see that. And then I said, you know what? I, I, okay, I want, I want fidelity, I want monogamy, mm -hmm. but I'm choosing it. Mm. I'm choosing it not because there's, mm -hmm. and this is for me, mm -hmm. I'm not choosing it because I'm worried mm -hmm. about this God up there that's gonna judge me mm -hmm. and it, in the books and the angels mm -hmm. and like the scale. It's like there may be nothing there, it may be just me, but I'm choosing it for me. All that like lustful went away. Wow. Yeah, of course. And I've I've had like like you could give me several decades of kind of a wandering eye lustfulness. And like from that moment in 2012 today to today, I um I don't have that kind of lustful wandering heart anymore. And it's just weird that it took me losing those uh, those defective religious misconceptions mm -hmm. that, that I was raised with in Mormonism mm -hmm. to, to kind of turn my heart towards actual inherent goodness. Dude, you're preaching, you're preaching the core of, of the Christian faith. That it is our, you don't like the word sinfulness, it's our fallenness, it's our humbling experiences that cause us to be liberated from things. He, it's by the weak things of the world that victory is had, not through the strength of your ego, where before you were strong, but your eye was looking. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were finally broken, so to speak, or humbled, yeah. you were able to be free of it. Yeah, the, the broken heart and contrite spirit. I, I, I believe that worked for me when Mormonism fell apart, which was ironic, right? It is ironic. But I'm, I feel like I'm more honest than ever. I'm more service-oriented than ever. All the Christian virtues, I would think I'm a better father now. I'm a better husband now. You're a better Christian now, John. That's what Christianity <laughs> is. That's what it is. Okay, when, when it's time, I want to talk to you about that. We'll talk about that then. Yeah, about the word Christian. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that, gladly. I got to bring this up. Because you're known, you're, you're wearing a rainbow thing, I'm assuming that's LGBT, what is the Q, queer? Queer. Uh, broken heart, contrite spirit. This is a little tough. No problem. Someone wants to be LBGBQT, welcome here, whatever. No problem. That's your life. Do it. I'm driving down 4th South several years ago on a Sunday to go teach, and five men stepped into this crosswalk, and two or three of them turned to me, and they did several sexually aggressive homosexual things. It was the pride parade. And so I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, they don't know if I have my children in the car or not, and they're, they're doing things to themselves while they look at me and stuff. I see a, a huge difference between being gay, being lesbian, being transgender, being queer, being, and losing the broken heart and contrite spirit. I see that if we were in Vegas, if you were driving through Vegas and a prostitute, female prostitute entered the crosswalk and started doing things in front of you to, with your kids seen, that is taking her own thing between her and God and she's promoting it publicly in a way that, that throws away contrite spirit and broken heart. It says, I'm proud. The reason those men were there was because it was the pride parade. I didn't know it. I'm not making this up. 
It affected me greatly. Do you see a difference in your support of the LGBTQ and the opposition that comes sometimes with the pride that's exhibited through that? I don't have to be proud that I can bang chicks. You know, I don't care that you like men or women, but why does that have to come with it? And do you support that end of the, hey, it's so, I, I, I celebrate in your outlandish sexuality, good for you. That's what I'm curious to know about you. Whatever your answer is fine with me, that's your, your choice, but I'm curious about that side. Well, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's like a 10 hour conversation. Is it? Uh, yeah, there's so much there. Like, okay, there's just a very basic level where uh, there are there are people in the world that aren't respectful or that aren't whole or that aren't, you know, in a good place yeah. or that are ill-mannered. Okay. That's just, that's just the human experience. Okay. So just like I wouldn't say all heterosexuals are like, you know, a prostitute yeah. that is acting in a vulgar inappropriate way i wouldn't say that all lgbt people are like those dudes at the crosswalk so yeah. that's that's kind of the first okay. pass over that problem is okay. you don't the second pass over that problem is um for me <clears throat> you know when i just let's talk about the gay pride parades for a second when when you've been a, a marginalized you know group that's been punished and stigmatized for so long. Uh, you know, Carolyn Pearson, you know, I grew up in the AIDS crisis, right? Magic yeah. Johnson was one of my heroes along with Larry Bird and then he gets AIDS and you learn about, you know, and, and, and you see all these people, you know, LGBT people dying of AIDS. You know, obviously in growing up Mormon, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's sin and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I once interviewed Carolyn Pearson for Mormon Stories and she gave me this wonderful quote you know, um, we we throw them in the gutter, and then we expect them not to get dirty. Mm. If you if you if you read this really important research called the Family Acceptance Project, what you find out is that LGBTQ youth, who are highly rejected by their family of origin, mm. are three times more likely to engage in risky sexual behavior. They're three times more likely to engage in in uh, risky drug use, and they're eight times more likely to, to attempt suicide. Mm. And you realize that there's dysfunction everywhere, and some of the dysfunction in the LGBT community, if there's dysfunction, comes from these people who are literally thrown in the gutter by their own mother and father, by their own religious faith community, which didn't say, come here, we right. love you, we accept you. Right. They said, you're dirty, mm. you're broken, you're 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 gross and vile, okay. and you're you know um, you're one of the signs of evil in in the existence. And when you're rejected by your family, by your friends, by your faith community, you know that's going to cause you to to act in ways that aren't healthy. I understand that. So yeah. that's another level. Yeah. There's another level. Just a pride parade. Some of that isn't so much like I can bang dudes. Yeah. Some of that is just like, we're sick of being viewed as dirty and secret and as bad. So we are, you know, and even the term queer used to be a, a slur. And they said, we're sick of people slurring us. We're gonna take that term back and use it in pride. So even the term queer 
when someone identifies as queer, they're basically saying, you can call me dirty and bad, but I'm going to own my awesomeness. And so I'm not going to say that I love love it when anybody in public is, is yeah. acting in a distasteful way. And that can be heterosexuals or straight people. Right. But I get some of that pride is just, and I've marched in the pride parade four or five years in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have members of my family who are in the LGBT community. And a lot of that is just saying we're not going to be beat down and marginalized and denigrated anymore. We're going to be proud for who we are. Now, if I go to a whole nother level, I got my PhD in, you know, my dissertation was on the LGBT Mormon experience. What I know with very high levels of certainty is that, that, that uh, and, and you may not agree with this, and this is totally fine. This is just my reading of the data. Most people don't choose to be LGBT. No, they, no problem. <laughs> it's science has pretty much demonstrated that it's heavily influenced by the gestational period in mm -hmm. the womb and the the hormones and the chemicals that that influence your brain mm -hmm. it's a biological phenomenon where mm -hmm. let's just say 80 to 90 percent of those who end up identifying as lgbt that was determined from before they mm -hmm. came out yeah no problem with that yeah and so if it's not a choice and if that's how they're wired you could even argue that's how god makes them sure then the question is, do they deserve love? Do they deserve intimacy? Do they deserve companionship? I know I don't want to be without intimacy. They do. Or they companionship. Do love. They do deserve intimacy. No problem. And so I want, I want them to have that. Right. And so I don't want to impose my religious views or secular views and limit whatever love and joy and peace they could have. I only brought that situation up with that story to show our audience and those who are critical to say, just to draw the line that you aren't, you understand why they might be acting out. You understand why the parade, because they've been under the, and they've been thrown in the gutter and all those things. But sometimes from the more conservative side, the view is you just want the whole world to be uh, rainbow and you're just out against, you're just for anything they do. And I, I don't mean to speak of it, I'm just trying to talk in terms of how they would say it. And I don't think that's your objective. I think your objective is equality fairness, love, mm -hmm. acceptance, yeah. healing for everybody, hetero, mm -hmm. homo, whatever. Yeah. And I don't think you can make someone gay just like you can't make someone heterosexual. Yeah. We studied over a thousand Mormons who tried to change their sexual orientation for religious motivations, mm -hmm. found that attempting to use God and Jesus to change your sexual orientation mm -hmm. was actually the most dangerous mm -hmm. form of attempting to change and it led to suicidality. Mm -hmm. God and Jesus don't make people straight. and there's a whole cottage industry of based on fraud, in my view, of charlatans who try and sell yeah. healing in the name of Christ mm. to gay people, and it's caused generations of, of deep damage. Yeah. And so, I and I'll just say this: I, I don't think alcohol is wrong. I don't think you know responsible marijuana use is wrong. Uh, I don't think I'm not even like going to categorically say that like open marriages or you know, responsible sexuality mm -hmm. in a non-monogamous state. I'm not even going to go far as to say that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I haven't tried beer. I haven't, you know, I've tried to be sexually responsible. Mm -hmm. And I I tend to think monogamy is kind of, I don't want to say it's the best, but like I'm still a big fan of monogamy. And I'm also like not judgy of those who aren't. Right. But I, you know, what I want for a gay couple personally mm -hmm. is just a committed, loving, monogamous, yep. real, you know, maybe they don't want that for themselves or straight people, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
again, I, I want to leave room for people that aren't monogamous and not judge them and say it's bad. I don't think it's bad. But for me, I'm still very much a monogamy guy. Sure. I'm still very much a one, one spouse, one sexual partner. You know, I, I mean, that's just what I think. Sure. That's just what I'm most comfortable with. Okay. So I'm very conservative in that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, knowing the Christian story that we believe Adam and Eve. And so you don't like the word sin, and I don't like it either. I've made mistakes with that word. But I do like the word um, lesser. And I don't mean lesser in terms of equality or human value. I mean lesser in terms of um, the optimum. If Adam and Eve were the optimum for the human race, and without heterosexuality, we wouldn't have a human race the way I see it. If we're going to go with the Christian story, and I'm talking from my perspective, then if someone operates outside of that, I realize they're operating outside of that in all probability because they came into the world that way. I believe that they're operating outside of that because that's who they are. And I believe that God loved the world so much he sent his son to die and save them in their way, in my way, in your way. He saved all of us in our way. We didn't repent first. We didn't come holy first. He saved us as we are. It, it, I think it helps people. Help, you like to help people. I think it helps people to say that I don't think my status is optimum. I think that it is lesser than what maybe should or could have been but can't be. Because it keeps that humility and that broken heart and that contrite spirit within us. To, and, and it doesn't mean you can't be gay. We have gay couples who support the ministry and they know this view and they themselves have told me, I wouldn't choose this, this but this is what I am. And we say, as you are, you're welcome. But if, there, if it becomes a, this is the way, it seems to me like there is more harm being done to their psyche than if they could see it in the, what I just described. What do you think on that? What I hear you saying is that we all need to be humble. Yes. And we never, we never arrive. We never, you know, in this life, we never arrive. We never reach that point. And we're going to be open to growth yes. and progress if we're humble and not prideful. Yes. Or, and so in that sense, and honestly, and I'm not trying to secularize your comment. Yeah. I love that about science. Yeah. The scientific method would say you never arrive. Yeah. You don't just like, this is now truth. Right. This needs to be tested, retested. If there's new information, it can override and trump the, you know, I find a lot of humility in the scientific method, even yeah. though there are people who love empiricism and science that like sure. club everyone over the head with it. Yeah. I find science to be inherently humble in that sense. Yeah. And I love, I, I guess I love that about what I'm hearing you put down, which yeah. is let's none of us think that we're perfect or yeah. arrived because no. then we won't learn and we no. won't grow. Right. Why learn and grow if you're, if you're already there? That was the problem with Mormonism. We knew. We I hated truth. that. Yeah. I hated that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I don't like to frame it in terms of fallenness or inferiority, but I'm just like, let's keep growing. Growth yeah. mindset. Growth mindset. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, you spoke of emotionalism, how it preys upon people. Well, I am really anti-emotional in every way. We have such dead services here. Not many people come because they're so, <laughs> they want the rock there, but... And it does prey upon people. And we'll talk about that maybe someday when we talk about other churches yeah, yeah. and how they pray. Oh, I want to have that conversation. Yeah. 
really quick, uh, the personal, I think you've told us, so just reiterate, why you do what you do now. It is, so that we can get it again clearly, John Dellen, Dillon does this because. So my work with Mormon Stories Podcast and the Oba Stories Foundation, the, our mission statement is to provide information, uh, resources, and community for people experiencing or impacted by a religious transition. Okay. So we find that a religious transition, especially away from a fundamentalist religion, can be so traumatic that people need support. So that's kind of our mission statement. A lot of people think I'm anti either religion or anti-Mormonism. And I don't, I do not think of myself this way. Mm -hmm. if, this is what I would do. If I had a magic wand today, I would wave it. And what I would wish for was that every Mormon and every Christian and every religious person and every person in the world could, could see reality as closely as possible. Mm. So with Mormonism, that would mean you know what Joseph Smith did, mm. you know what the Book of Mormon is and isn't, you know what the Book of Abraham is and isn't, you know the harm the church does to women and minorities and people of color and LGBT people and mm -hmm. society, and you know the good, you know all of it, mm. right? Yeah. And if you're a Christian, like I had Bart Ehrman on, you know all Mormon of stories, you know the, that the Bible, yeah. Matthew didn't necessarily write Matthew, right. and Luke didn't necessarily write Luke, and right. it was handed down. And that there are, you know, in for my there view, there might be problems or contradictions, and and you know, and, and there are other faiths and there are other traditions, and mm -hmm. everyone would know, see the world clearly, and then be able to make an informed decision based on not only the evidence but also a weighing of the harm and benefit. And if everybody could just have that full information and make an informed decision that came from their heart, that wasn't coerced, that wasn't manipulative, then do, I don't care if you're Christian, if you're atheist, if you're Mormon, I don't care. Because at that point, you're, you have full information, yeah. full disclosure, mm -hmm. and you're making a decision from your own heart, not from because your dad won't give you a you know, truck when mm -hmm. you serve your mission or your wife will leave you. Mm -hmm or you'll be ostracized, or you're fearing that God's gonna punish you. Mm -hmm. You're doing things because they're centered in who you are mm -hmm. with all the information. That's all I want. Uh, we're on the same path. I want information. And you do not hold back on, and that's what I've experienced in the Christian world. I stepped out of Mormonism, thought the evangelical thing was it. And then I realized the Christian thing has as many warts and delusions as the Mormon things, that the Mormons do it better. Uh, so I agree with you. So you really, you're an educator. You want to inform. Yeah, yeah I, totally. I, I, yeah, I want people to make informed choices. I have gained, uh, we're out of time, I've gained such uh, uh, renewed respect for you. I really have. And uh, I want to have you on Mormon Stories. Have me on again. We'll do so, part two. Yeah, so we've been doing updates. Oh. We did Michael Coe, we brought him back. Mm. We've been bringing back people that, that were kind of early classics. Wow. So I want to freaking interview you, uh, Sean McCraney. Let's do it. And I want to talk about what your journey's been like since then. Oh my gosh, bring, bring that beer you haven't drank. Yeah, and, and, I, and we just interviewed South Mountain and you know, we've been exploring spiritual paths after Mormonism. Yeah. And you know, I, know, I know you've got thoughts on better and maybe suboptimal and, and better paths yes. and 
I'm, I'm, I'm open to having that conversation. I would love, when you have the time, I'm honored, uh, really appreciate it. Final words for our audience. We have, we, still, we have a lot of seekers around the world, and we have people who were, uh, many people who are still or were LDS. You ended our show, I think. Give me your pitch. That's what you said. Give me your pitch. I man. hate that question. That's what you said. That's what you said to me. <laughs> Give me the pitch. So I won't use it on you. Uh, but what would you say? All that you've seen, John. I mean, all the pain and everything you've gone through. What would you say to a general audience? Not even to the Mormon, just the general audience. I'd say, uh, above all, be kind. Kindness trumps everything. Um, I think I think Jesus would support that. I do too. Um, so kindness trumps everything. I would say, don't uh, don't hold back living your truest, authentic life out of fear. Uh, it was scary to you know in my in my case it was scary to question. It was scary to speak out. It was even scary to be, you know, excommunicated. I didn't want to be kicked out of the church and shamed in that way. I was terrified that I couldn't raise good, healthy kids without the church. I was terrified that I couldn't be a moral, honest person, even though I was less honest as a Mormon than I am now, mm -hmm. I feel like. I was terrified that I couldn't be a decent human mm -hmm. without being Mormon. Um, and I'm not even saying leave Mormonism, but I am saying that when Christ talks about being saved, when Buddhism talks about enlightenment, there's sort of this you know, level of teachings that we all get as a child from our parents, from our culture. And at some point, what I consider being rebirthed, you know, born again, mm -hmm. is allowing all of that to fall to the ground and really going inside. And instead of ha outsourcing your morality, outsourcing your authority, um, you, you go inside. And I think Jesus said the kingdom of God is within. Yes, he did. Right? Mm -hmm. and, what, and what I think prayer is about is having you do that introspection mm -hmm. and even connecting with, you know, because I... I think of Mormon stories as being an inspired act. Like I was on a walk and I felt this thing, this energy that's saying, do this. And I'm like, it wasn't a voice and I don't know if it came from a supreme being, but it felt like I something was pushing me on to do this. And so it's a combination of knowing yourself really well and then tuning in around you to what's needed, to what's needed for you and your own growth, for your family, for your community, for the world. And if you can put that fear away, get tuned into who you are, what you care about, and then pay attention to what's around you and to the motivation that can come. My testimony is that whether it's God or energy or the universe or whatever, forces will will rise up to support your righteous mm. endeavors. Mm. And the more that you put your shoulder to the wheel, the more that you spend your life in the service of others, mm. alleviating suffering, promoting information and joy and wellness, uh, it'll be scary, 
but you will be supported. You'll be supported by motivation. You'll be supported by surrounding influences. People will step up to support you that you wouldn't have ever guessed. And you will be supported and uh, empowered for as, for as many steps into the darkness as you're willing to take or into the light. And so don't let fear ruin your life. Don't outsource your authority and your power. Plug into the power that's available to you and you'll never regret it. I don't regret giving up $200,000 a year. I don't regret being publicly shamed and kicked out of a church. Uh, it's all been incredibly positive in the end. It's been painful. There's been adversity. There's been people trying to just, you know, hurt me and others. And there have been critics, but I, I could die today and feel like uh, I, I made a contribution and there's nothing better than that. And nothing I think better. you're, I think you probably could have made a little more money doing something else. I think so. I think you could have, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you could have, you know, had a lot more fun or a lot more ease. But mm -hmm. I, I guess one of the things I appreciate about you is I feel like we're both kind of in the trenches a bit, yeah. doing a little bit of the dirty work, trying to see what good we can do. And, and there are lots of people doing it. I don't, yeah. I don't think we're anything special, but. Right. I do feel a solidarity with you, yeah. even though we may be coming at it from a different sure. but I agree with angle. You. I agree with everything you said. I don't think there's much of a difference between no. us. Just maybe we use a little bit different adjectives yeah. to describe what we're doing. I think so too, my friend. Yeah. So Sean Craney. John Delenn, Mormon Stories. The website's mormonstories.org if, if anybody wants to check it out. mormonstories.org, and we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.